to me, okay, to me. Ultimately, martial art means honestly expressing yourself. Now, it is very difficult to do. I mean, it is, it is easy for me to put on a show and be cocky yeah. and be flooded with a cocky feeling and then yeah. feel like pretty cool and all that. Or I can f make all kinds of phony things, you see what I mean? Blinded by it. Or I can show you some f really fancy movement. But to express oneself honestly, not lying to oneself, and to express myself honestly, not that, my friend, is <laughs> very hard to do. And you have to train. You have to keep your reflexes so that when you want it, it's there. The expression of the human body. I mean, the f everything. I mean, you know, not just the hand. And when you're talking about combat, well, I mean, if, if, it, if it is a sport, now now you're talking about something else. You have regulations, you have rules. But when you're talking about fighting as it is, oh, with no rules. real fighting. Well, then, baby, you better train every part of your body. Aloha, Penn Nation. What's up, guys? You're now tuned into yet another edition of BJPenn.com Radio, The Fighter's Voice. This is episode 115, and as always, I'm your host, Jay Kinch. We've got more of what you crave, some great conversations with some of the top athletes in the business. We're going to kick things off with recent UFC Hall of Famer inductee, or set to be inducted, rather, president of the One Championship, One Warrior Series, former UFC middleweight champion, of course, I'm talking about Rich Franklin. We're going to talk shop with him about the One Warrior Series, One Championship, its continued growth, expansion into the West and into new markets. And we're also going to try to do a bit of an in-depth summation of his career in the UFC, his accomplishments, the legacy that he would like to leave, and a whole lot more. Then next up, for the first time on BJPenn.com Radio, we're going to have two guests at the same time as Zane Kamaka and Ray Cooper III are both going to join us to discuss their upcoming fight for the opening round of the PFL 2019 season. And check this out, guys. They're cousins that are going to fight. So very interesting conversation there. And then finally, we're going to close things out with another gentleman featured for the 2019 PFL season, returning to welterweight, a guy I've worked with a long time, the one and only John Doomsday Howard. So there you have it. BJPenn.com Radio, The Fighter's Voice, episode 115. Let's kick things off with UFC Hall of Fame inductee to be president of the One Warrior Series, former UFC middleweight champion, Rich Franklin. All right, Penn Nation, please welcome back to the show former middleweight champion, longtime combat sports veteran, one of the brightest minds in our sport, hands down. And now slated to be inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame this year, the one and only Rich Franklin. Thanks for taking the time to speak with us today, Rich. How is life in Singapore this morning? Uh, it's it's hot as it is every day down here in Singapore. It's uh, typically uh, a little over ninety degrees. It probably hasn't hit gotten quite that that warm yet, and over ninety percent humidity. And that's 
the weather on a daily basis down here. Oh my goodness. And for a guy from um, Ohio, if I'm not mistaken, that that's a big adjustment. Yeah. You know, you, I'll tell you what, what ends up happening is you find that uh, every day is the same. It's nice and warm down here. And so you can never complain about that. It's, it's nice getting out of bed in the morning. If you want to go for a morning run and it's, it's already warm outside and you don't have to, to, uh, you know, warm up the body, particularly when you're sitting in Ohio in the middle of the winter and, and temperatures are minus and, and whether you're running outside or going to go downstairs on the treadmill or something like that, uh, it takes a while to warm up when it's cold outside. So you're instantly warm here, but every day is the same. And you do realize I, I miss the seasons, man. I miss the rain in the spring and the, the fall leaves and even the cold in the winter. Uh, there's occasional day where you're sitting here sweating as usual and thinking, you know what? I can go for a little snow right now. <laughs> well, I'll tell you as a guy from the Northeast, I, I can, I can, Agree with you there. I mean, I, I enjoy the, th- the the seasons, but at the same time, I certainly hate shoveling snow. So you do have that luxury at least. But, um, yeah, true. Listen, man, first off, congratulations on being picked for the Hall of Fame this year. I wanted to get to that in a bit, but I figured we should start with the incredible promotion that is one championship. Uh, I had read that the new era card in Tokyo did something like 45 million views worldwide. Is that true? Mm-hmm. That is impressive, man. Yeah, it's uh look the cards. It's it, it's amazing working for this organization because you know I don't want to say that uh, when it comes to this industry I've I've not been a believer or anything like that. But I can remember if I re- if I put my head back in the space that it was in say two thousand and two, and we were looking at where the sport was in the U.S. at the time. And how it was not accepted. And to think that it coming from that all the way to where the sport has come today. Uh, mainstream being featured, you know, one championship, for example, is featured on Turner. And, uh, and, and to think that we've moved into these, these mainstream stations and that people are taught that this sport has become the water cooler talk of the office, so to speak. I, I never dreamed that something like that could happen. And working for this organization, we come in and and I remember a couple years back, they, the organization was saying, we want to do one event per week eventually. And in, in my mind, there's part of me that thought, this is crazy. And part of me thought, it's not, it's not, even, not even possible. Like, right. I don't even see how you're going to get there. And when you sit down and you talk to somebody like our chairman, like Chatri, and listen to how he views business, uh, there are so many times that I'll come away from a conversation with him and think to myself, I can tell that you're a Harvard graduate, and I'm not, even though I'm an intelligent person. <laughs> I, I'm definitely not a Harvard grad uh, because he just looks at business a different way. So when suddenly you you come on the back end of well, you start even before this, you start looking at some of the cards we put together, and, and I think, man, this was a great card. How are we going to outdo this? Man, this was a great card. How are we going to outdo this? And then suddenly Tokyo happens, and you look at you look at the Tokyo card, and you look at all the all the title fights that were on on the card and you look at all the new signings that we have with Demetrius and Eddie and, and the Grand Prix that was created and then the viewership on the back end. And I'm scratching my head now and I'm saying, how do you top that? And uh, leave it to this organization to find out a way. Right. And, and at the same time, I mean, Hey man, as much as you might've not been a believer, I'm sure you're a believer now and what a great company to be working for. I mean, yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't mean it in the sense that I'm not a believer, but I'm just, you know, I'm always questioning, like, how, how is it possible to talk right. this? How right. is it possible? And somehow we just, you find a way. 
Well, I got to say uh, that Tokyo card was amazing. All the cards are, are great, but just having the Western talent on there and, and some more familiar faces and it being so stacked with champions, it was truly a, a very memorable night for mixed martial arts. Uh, but with one championship, the Warrior Series, that's your baby, correct? It is. That's the, that's the project that I run uh, over here. I, I tell you, I have probably, I, I have the coolest job in the world. I do. I, I love what I do over here. I love the team that I work with. Uh, I, I run a team of about, about 15, 16 people, including myself. And uh, what I, if, for people that aren't familiar with the One Warrior Series, it, this project is, it's my project. I, I travel around and I recruit talent all over the region. We recently, I say the region, but we recently went to New Zealand and Australia. And my project just continues to grow and grow. And I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, maybe not not by the end of this year it's possible but i would say maybe before the end of this year that we're starting to plan looking to come over to that side of the world to start recruiting as well but i travel around travel around the region and i recruit talent i recruit uh, athletes to compete in my organization i do six events on an annual basis and uh, i'll just i'll fly into a a location i'll either do a scouting session maybe Maybe I caught wind of, of somebody who was talented in, in a, a city, and I'll travel to that city, and I'll check out one of their workouts, and if I want to recruit them, I recruit them. Uh, or maybe I'll hold a tryout. When we were down in Sydney, we held a tryout and, and had a, a large number of talented individuals that came in, and we ended up recruiting uh, half a dozen people or so. And so when we recruit people, then we'll, we'll basically build a profile on them, uh, create talent or create content around them. And we'll, we'll just, we'll go whatever city we're in, we'll go do something, whether we're, we're doing something crazy, like jumping out of an airplane or doing something cultural, like visiting a temple or whatever it may be. We just, we basically, uh, take the athlete, do something that either they're passionate about or something culturally relevant to that area and, and get to know the athlete, get to know a little bit about them. And I'm sure not only are they incredibly appreciative of that, but, on the flip side of it, I mean, that's that's promotion 101. Pr- bringing the hometown hero, the hometown star, that's really how you, how you have to build up these guys. And one championship has been incredible in doing so thus far. But when, when it comes to building talent, finding those guys, they are your content. And you've clearly had a keen eye for potential superstars so far. Yeah, I, you know, that's, that's the thing. Um, this is... I guess this is the best way. If, if one championship is looking to recruit talent, this is the best way to do that because I'll, I'll go into a city. I have, first of all, we we have an entire competition team that is already somewhat scouting talent to look at them. But I'll fly in and I'll and they may say, "Hey, look, I've, I've heard some good things about this 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 person or that person or whatever." And then uh, myself and my team will sit down and we'll start doing research on the internet. We'll look at them and then we'll invest the time and go in there. And, and seeing if we, if we like what we see. Sometimes we may show up to a city when, when they have uh, a competition in a small organization that's you know local to that area or something like that. And granted, these, these guys are highly motivated because they know everybody that comes into my organization is competing for a six-figure six contract for one championship. Right. And so I've had from my organization to date seven, I think seven graduates from one Warrior Series move up to one championship. And, of course, the most well-known at this point in time is Stamp Fairtex, who is uh, now uh, the uh, one Super Series champion in uh, kickboxing, and, and Muay Thai, for that matter. And Well, speaking of superstars, I mean, it's Stamp, obviously, incredible to watch. Um, but speaking of superstars, there, there have been some huge additions to the company that you mentioned earlier, many more to come, I'm sure. And this is all obviously aside from, from uh, your local scouting, 
but Western guys. It's pretty clear that the core values of one championship are, are really appealing to some of the best in the business, and as the roster continues to grow, so does the promotion. You must have been very excited to see Demetrius, Eddie, Sage, and you know even Misha join the Tate on, uh, Misha Tate join the team on the executive side. Yeah, absolutely. It's first as a fan. I've known, I've known DJ for years. Uh, he and I trained together. Right, Matt uh, Hume. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, years and years ago. So I've, I've known DJ. He's a friend. Uh, spoken to him on on uh, the occasion here and there in between the the time the last time that I competed and the time that he's now signed with one championship. So uh, when when somebody like that comes into the organization, it's exciting. Of course, you have somebody like Eddie Alvarez come in. And what a talented individual as well. We, I'm still still yet to see Sage compete for us, but I'm excited for that. I, I know that it's coming soon. And so, yeah, these are these are big signings for the, the Western world. And I think what this did for for one championship on that side of the of the world is that I, I would break down our our fans or the fan base into into two groups of fans. Your first group are the people that know who we are on on that side of the planet. That when we when we made these acquisitions with, with Demetrius and Eddie and Sage, that people on that side of the planet were, were just saying that knew who we were. Oh, wow, one is making big moves, and I'm not surprised by it. And then there right. was a lo- uh, another contingency of people that when we made these kind of acquisitions, they're sitting there and saying, who is this major player, and how come I don't know who they are? And so th- that these acquisitions with these athletes were, were basically twofold for us. Right, and and not only who is this big promotion, but why are they killing it in Asia, unlike anybody else? And why do I why do I not know about them? Right. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, along along with the the acquisition of these guys, we had to deal with Turner now, where our content is is being uh, broadcast of in the in the U.S. as well. So it's just these are big moves all simultaneously happening, and this stuff doesn't happen by accident. No, not at all, not at all. Uh, now, as a guy who's always exemplified what it means to be a martial artist. And knowing the core values of the company that you're working for, would you say that one championship is only looking for that exact type of athlete? Because I think like a big majority of Western fighters, they have fun with the trash talk and promotion that it takes to be successful over here. But I feel like they'd rather not get involved if they didn't have to. Uh, yeah, I would say so. And look, there's, I'll say this, this is my own, this, this is me just giving my personal opinion. There's a way to do trash talk that does not necessarily have to be disrespectful. Right. Um, I I look at a guy like uh, I, I look at a guy like Chael Sonnen, for example. I would say most of Chael's trash talk that he did during his career was funny. Uh, there, there were a couple times where maybe he missed the mark, where he was I don't know he he got to talking about somebody's wife or mother or family member or something where you're like eh you know. But for the most part, there, there are certain athletes that just know how to how to talk a little bit of trash and have fun with it without being uh, completely disrespectful. And there's a way to do that. There's a way to to talk some trash. To, to even if you look back at my career, so many times I would say things to you know the, the West, you always want to hype a match, and so they want to hear they want these sound clips of I'm gonna I'm gonna knock this guy out and, I, and that kind of stuff. But the reality is, I would always tell people, like, "Hey, I don't, I don't have to, I don't have to hate somebody. I don't even have to be angry to to try to knock them out. I've, I've spent my entire training camp refining my skill, and, and I'm 
I'm there to prove that my skill is better than this person's skill. And I would always say things like, look, if I can come in the gym and punch my best friend in the face on a daily basis, surely I'm not going to have a problem trying <laughs> to knock out the person in front of me, right? And so, so you know, that was, that was about the best trash talking I could get. But at least at least I'm able to talk a little bit of trash, build some hype for the, for the, the match and all that kind of stuff. So there is a way to do that and still embody the, the martial arts values. And at the end of the day, I even look at I even look at some some athletes that will talk trash to each other, and you'll see these guys uh, that they're just you know at the end of at the end of a match they're hugging it out because there's nothing but respect. You can't you can't have anything but respect for a human being who has spent uh, the last I don't know eight ten weeks prepping for you. Right. Uh, I, I know when I was getting ready for for my matches, I would wake up in the morning and my opponent oftentimes was the first thing on my mind and the last thing on my mind before I went to bed. He was, he was the person I was thinking about the whole time I was training. Uh, he would often drift into my mind when I was eating. I would watch films on this person in between training matches and you know, or so on and so forth. So it, on the back end of any of my matches, at least, I would have nothing but respect for that person because I know that they were probably doing the same thing. Right, right, right. But I, I guess the point I'm getting at here is that you know the, the refreshing side of things and, and the contrast that we see with one championship is that there's yes. – there's not that focus on that kind of promotion, and you guys are trying to tell the stories of the athletes themselves, which I, I yeah. find I find to be a great thing. Yeah, I think I think the point I was making is that I, 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 it's not necessarily that the diff, that there's a huge difference in say per se the athletes on this side of the planet versus that side of the planet. When right. I look at that, I you can sit down and, and talk to somebody like an Eddie or a DJ and and see that there's really no difference, and and that's ob, it's obvious because we've recruited them and. We're, want to recruit athletes who embody these values anyway. But if you talk to the average athlete, you're going to find that there's not much difference, that they, had, that they most of them embody these kinds of values. Yeah, there are the few outliers out there, but I think that the difference is in the way that the leading organizations tell their stories. You know, we want to tell a story that embody these values. We want to, we want to um, inspire people, truly. That's what we want to do. We want to, I look at, I look at a champion like Ong Long Song that we have, and I look at a country that, that, his family comes from Myanmar. And if, if you've never been to Myanmar during one of his matches, you're truly missing out on something amazing to, to experience what I've experienced to, to just watch an entire arena go dead silent when he talks or an entire arena erupt. And you want to talk about a, a group of people that can that make noise for this man right. louder than a, a group five times that size. And the, the ability that he has to, to, to influence people in that country, uh, I, I can only imagine that this ripple effect is just going to make tidal waves in the younger generation in that country. It's, it'll make changes. And so seeing stuff like this unfold, it truly is, it, when I look at my job, I have to I have to hold on to these pieces and say this is the the kind of difference that I'm making, and it's the same thing that I do with the One Warrior series. I, I get so invested in the athletes that I recruit because you hear these stories of you hear these stories of of, um, of uh, despair and, and, and uh, poverty and and overcoming and perseverance and all this kind of stuff. And w- when you see the sacrifices that these athletes are making to try to succeed at something. You, you you can't do anything but root for these people. Right, right. It's humbling just to see that. And and you're absolutely correct. I mean, rock star is not the word for Angla. I mean that that yeah, uh, absolutely incredible. I mean, when I spoke to him, it was before his last fight, not the most recent one. Uh, you know, I said, "Can you even walk down the street?" And he said, "No, I I can't. It's it's gotten that bad." But uh, yes. or or that good rather. 
but yeah. r- real quick, just to stay with the Western athletes here for a second, what would you say to other other Western guys that see what see what the, your company's all about? They like what they see, but they might be hesitant to take that unpredictable route of free agency. W- would you encourage them to get in touch? Uh, always. I mean, options options are, are the best thing that you have, you know. Um, if there's only one player on the block, then you're beholden to that player. And I think that, uh, that the landscape of uh, mixed martial arts has changed, obviously, since since my heyday. And so now you have the ability to, to see what else is out there. And it, it does give the, the athletes a bit more leverage. So, uh, yeah, it's, you'd be crazy not to. Right, right. And, I, and, and look, uh, just speaking as an athlete for a moment, if, uh, I wish I had – I wish in at the time that I was competing, I had these options. I wish I had other major organizations that were out there willing to, to, to meet, match, or exceed paydays that you might receive in a different organization. Because you you have the ability to make sure that you're that you're being treated fairly, so to speak. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I agree with you 100. Uh, percent co- I mean, competition is capitalism, right? It, it drives everything forward. Uh, Absolutely. But h- how are you guys feeling about the market penetration in the West right now? Obviously, the TNT deal that was huge, or Turner deal rather, upward trending, I presume. For sure, I, I would just say that the TNT deal. As as, uh, as big of a deal as that is, is just the tip of the iceberg for us. I believe that the kind of conversations we're going to have with with Turner um, a year from now are going to be quite different. Okay. And I believe that the the uh, the awareness that I just the whole, the entire landscape of one championship in the Western world a year from now, you you and I are going to sit down and do an interview and have a completely different conversation about this. Yeah, I ha- I have no doubt because uh, again, I think that I mean j- just when just when things really started heating up for you guys. I had said something to the team, and the, the Tom Taylor, he's, he's a guy that's with us. He was on board 100%. I said, listen, we need to like pivot towards this way before everybody else does because we saw that the potential was there for you guys to do some really remarkable things in this sport. Uh, but just to keep it moving here, some big fights on the horizon. Kickboxing tournament, that's very exciting, all, all the stuff that just got announced with that. The continuation of the flyweight, welterweight tournaments. Sage's debut, all very exciting stuff. But, but, but for me personally... Brandon Vera and Ang La is going to be insane. What's what's the matchup that you're most excited for coming up? Yeah, pro- probably that one. Uh, and and I only say that because, uh, well, let, let me say I just I'll take a step back first of all. The uh, the Eddie Alvarez Timothy Nestukin fight that match that that was a match that I was really excited to see uh, because Eddie's coming in and everybody I mean everybody knows how tough Eddie is. Uh, and then I, you know, this, this, this kid, Timothy, this is, this is an athlete. If you, if you didn't see the match, I, I don't remember which match it was, but where he, he, his leg was broken and he ends up breaking his leg and he's standing and he starts hopping on the other leg because something's wrong with his leg. I don't, I don't know if he realized that it was broken yet or not, but he starts hopping on this leg to try to stand up. And then he ends up against the cage. He's on the ground. And at one point in time, he, um, he tries standing back up and the referee ends up calling the match. And this is this is a kid that, uh, that Eddie Alvarez is going up against in, in that match in, in Japan, um, and you know I would say this to people like you, this Timothy Nestukin. This is a tough kid. This is a tough match. And it's going to be exciting to watch. And it was. It was. It was a great match. Uh, hats off to Eddie. Eddie. Eddie's going to bounce back. And, and you know Eddie said what he said in his, in his the post interviews and all that kind of stuff. So he he'll he'll make some adjustments, and, and we know what Eddie will do. But coming up, it's. I'll say this: that it's it's a real treat when you get to see the the bigger athletes compete 
over here, at least for me. Um, you see, a, 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 like Brandon Barrett, so it's been a while since he's competed. And as you watch Ong Law just develop through through time, like from one match to the next, you can see that he's just getting better and better. This is this is going to be an interesting matchup, and these two, I think, I think they're going to come out and throw down in this in this match. So when that was announced, I didn't I didn't even know from the inside. I had been so busy traveling, didn't even know that that was what was in the works. So when Brandon stepped in in the in the circle to ask Ong Law to join him, and uh, Ong Law accepted, I was I was excited as a fan for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely huge matchup, and and quite frankly. It is the one championship super fight to make, right? Yeah, I, w- I, w- I would, I would imagine. Did, uh, did they announce which car- is that the Manila card? Is that the one they're doing that on? Uh, I believe so. I mean, that would only make sense for Brandon, right? Yeah, but yeah, yeah, I would imagine it's going to be that. All right, so li- listen, uh, we as always, everybody at BJPen.com, we we have a blast covering one championship and. We will continue to do just that, but let's move on to the Hall of Fame induction here. Uh, okay. you'll, be, you'll be joining the Pioneer Wing, which makes perfect sense to me, as you certainly were a pioneer and are a pioneer. When did you get the news, and what was your initial reaction? It, I, I got the news uh, just a couple couple weeks before. Um, I, I got the news just a couple weeks before the uh, announcement was made. Dana actually called me, and uh, we sat down, chatted, and he just said, "Hey, we're, in, we're inducting you in the Hall of Fame this year." and I was I was surprised because it's been it's been a few years since I have retired from the organization. I've been over on this side of the planet doing my own thing, and you kind of with this kind of stuff. I have friends that talk about uh, Hall of Fame induction all the time, but you get so caught up in what it is that you're doing that you forget things are just out of sight, out of mind. And so something like that wasn't necessarily on my radar. And uh, lo and behold, I get this phone call, and, and I'm, I'm not sure the gravity of, of this induction has really set in for me yet. Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, obviously, you're, you're keeping so busy that that kind of that kind of stuff is falling wayside to you. But some people, and myself included, would would say that this has been a long time coming for you, and you know, arguably could have been done sooner. Uh, but I'm sure you still feel like the timing is just right for for this point in time. Uh, you know, I mean, I've had I've had a, a lot of good loyal fans that have been outspoken about my induction in the Hall of Fame. And, uh, and you know, the time, the timing is what it is. Things are going to happen at the time that they're meant to happen. I've, I've been on this side of the planet focused on something else. I'm, I'm building, uh, I'm not only helping build an entire industry over here, an organization with one championship, but I'm building my own organization with one warrior series as well. And so you get so caught up on doing the things that, that you're doing that, um, uh, you know, that, that is, uh, is, one of those things that you just, as time goes on, it's not something that you think about on a daily basis. And then suddenly you get the phone call and it's like, Oh, wow. 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 <laughs> and then you start, you start thinking about, you start thinking about your career and the culmination of your career. And, and, um, you know, if you read the press release, I, the, the, the statement that I gave about this was that, that, that this induction is really a culmination of all the time that everybody that I've ever known, who put time into my career for me right, all, it takes all, a my, village. all my training partners my coaches management my family friends even fans you know all this kind of stuff and uh and so when when you get inducted into into the hall of fame i think that each coach or training partner whoever wherever you are in this this equation can walk away and say hey you know what a piece of that was me 
even even the support that the fans give you, it's like a piece of that was me because with even without the fans, I'm not I couldn't get an induction like this. So as as I sit and think about this induction, it just makes me grateful for all the people that that surrounded me during this entire process. Well, I mean that's that's very selfless of you to to even bring everybody up. But you're 100 percent correct. It does take a village, and there's so many guys behind the scenes that don't get their credit, don't get their due when it comes to building up a world class fighter, world class athlete like yourself. But you fought so many legends of the sport. You had countless memorable fights, some spectacular finishes. Uh, I know this is probably hard to answer, but looking back on the on your UFC tenure, what fight stands out as a favorite for you? Mm, I mean, well. I mean, let me give you two answers to this question, because people ask me this all all the time, and, and I'll, I like to talk about my favorite memory, and I think my favorite memory, and I've told this this story a number of times before, is is a memory of my dad, um, my career. I I rewind myself to the day that I told my father that I was going to quit teaching to pursue a career as a professional athlete in mixed martial arts now the landscape of the industry at that time was very very unstable the thought of actually being able to support yourself and make a payday uh, or a living off of off of uh, competing professionally was nearly impossible and so i was my father's only child that graduated from college had a career in teaching and in his eyes i was just throwing a career away and the day that i told him that i wanted to leave my career to pursue this, I, he he really looked like he wanted to punch me in the face, and I think that he may have if uh, if I wasn't if I was maybe trained in a different sport like badminton or something. Like that. <laughs> so um, so yeah, you know, and a little note on that: my dad was a guy who went back to school late in life, and he and I ended up graduating the University of Cincinnati right around the same time. Uh, he had earned his degree in nursing, and so. For him, that that like, his education was just that was kind of the pinnacle, the the, the full circle. Life. Like this is your escape from from growing up the way that I grew up in poverty. You know? Right, education was the key, and so I chose a different path. And then when you fast forward, my dad came to my title, my first title defense in Las Vegas, and we were we were eating together. I met him at the Luxor at the time, and we were eating together. Actually, he was eating. I was cutting weight, and I was eating ice chips. And uh, my dad looked at me, and he said, man, I'm really, really proud of you for the decisions that you made to pursue a dream, even when other people didn't believe in you or believe in th- th- that something like this was possible. And he said, myself included. I, you know, I thought it was a crazy, crazy decision at the time. He said, so I'm really proud of you for what you've done. And, and that that memory trumps any any belt being strapped around my waist or any time my hand was ever raised or anything like that. Uh, far more than than any any fight that you could ask me about in my career. Now, if you want to talk about favorite fights, I'll just I'll say this: I, my, my favorite fight is the the Travis Luter fight. Uh, that that match taught me more about myself than any other match that I had because it was um, a winning performance, but it was probably my worst winning performance that I've ever had because everything that we trained in camp, I was working with. Uh, I had gone up to Seattle. I was working with my normal team, you know, Rob. Rob and George and Neil and all those guys in Cincinnati and I, Rob and I had traveled up to uh, Kirkland because we I had done half of my camp with Matt Hume. I'd been working with Matt at the time, and Matt had laid out a game plan for this match and um, and we, you know we trained, we did everything we were supposed to do, and when Travis came out into the middle of the cage, it was uh, it, it, the 
he did everything that, that we predicted in camp. Everything I had laid out. And I talked to him about this match in my TED Talk. But I failed. Like, every step of the way, I failed. And I was in the worst possible situation you could be in in that match. And uh, Travis had me in an armbar, which is nearly impossible to escape with somebody like that. But I somehow managed. And uh, and then I ended up winning the match. And it just it was one of those matches that when I actually lost faith in myself at, at one point in that match, just for a brief moment. And had to recover from that. And so it really taught me a lot about who I was and how to overcome things, how to overcome setbacks and losses and, and, and stuff like that. It taught me a lot about myself. And that, that would be my favorite, my favorite, personal favorite match of my entire career. That's brilliant, man. So for you, the, the story of overcoming and learning more about yourself as a hardworking individual, that, that, that's your favorite fight? That, that's very cool to hear, man. Yeah, you know, because it's easy to point things out. I mean, you know, you can say, you can take a, a match where you had a, a clean knockout where you were in control the whole time, and it's great for a highlight reel, but what did you learn about yourself in that match, really? Right. Um, and so I, I, when I when I look back in my career, I started thinking about my losses. I, all the losses that I had or any time that I had some sort of uh, tough, you know, it's, uh, something to overcome was, was the, the moments that I learned about myself, truly or learn something, uh, a, a valuable lesson. What would you say was the career-defining moment for you? Was there a specific moment in time, or was it the entire body of work, in your opinion? Yeah, I think so. I think when you, when you, when you look at my career, um, if, you, if you're looking for a definition, I think it's in, in just the entire body. I think everything from, I hear so many times when I run into fans and say, man, when I watched that, that all access they did on you and your training and, and people saw me running around the gym and they saw Mike, uh, just putting me through this grueling workout. And I, and I was known for that. I was known for, they even, they even talked about it in the induction video that they created about how I just, I was never tired. I was always conditioned. And, uh, and we had a way of training that was very, uh, I, I guess probably at the time more scientific than what most people were doing. And, and, th- and that's not just because you saw me running around doing a bunch of machines. W- I, w- I was doing a lot of stuff with heart rate and nervous system and recovery and all. I, I did a lot of stuff by the numbers because I'm a math guy. Right. You guys and were ahead of the numbers. curve. Yeah. But um, if I had, if I had to choose uh, one of my matches that I would say would, if, if you were to watch one and it kind of embodied that career, I would say it was probably the second Vanderlei match. Uh, because it was just a tough. He's a tough opponent, and he dropped me in the second round. And I spent two rounds on autopilot, figuring out where I was, and, and came back right back out in the third round and established my jab right away. And and the average fan wouldn't know that that I did, you know, that I didn't have my wits about me at the time and was doing what I needed to do, and ended up winning that match. And I, I you know, that was that was a five round decision as well against a very tough opponent. And I think that that would probably kind of embody the entire career that you and I were talking about. Yeah, for, for me personally, it's definitely the fights with Vanderlei. Both fight of the nights, uh, bo- both back-and-forth battles, a true display of heart from, from both of you guys. And, and it takes a certain kind of opponent to bring that out of you, right? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Not everybody can do that. And so I come out of a match like that, and I say thank you to Vanderlei because um, – because you know, if, if that if he doesn't if he doesn't bring his one hundred percent, then you're, you're not going to end up with something like that. Definitely, definitely. Now the sport is full of you know very high highs and, and some pretty brutal lows. That being said, what what was probably the hardest loss for you and why? Um, losing my title was pretty tough. Uh, I think losing my title, lo- losing to Anderson the first time was definitely tougher than the second time. Um, but I, I, probably my toughest loss was uh, the, the Kung loss for me. 
I just I had a really good camp. Uh, I, I prep went really well. I, di- I I didn't see myself as ever losing that match. And even in the match, I got to a point where I started to settle in and get my timing and was feeling really comfortable. And then the next thing I know, I woke up in the locker room. Yeah, yeah, that, that was that was definitely a brutal one. When you look back on that. I mean, I know the retirement thing I kind of wanted to touch on, but so many guys chase that final high of going out on a win. Did you ever feel that way sometimes? Like, man, I should have got one more. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the natural, it's the natural uh, reflex. But you, what you got to tell yourself as an athlete, because then you go out and you win another one, and then once you're on top, it's, again, then the natural instinct is, well, i got to keep going. Right. You know, I'm winning <laughs> right. now, and so I might as well keep, keep going. What I what I did at that time is I looked at I, I looked at several things. Realistically, I'm I'm coming towards the tail end of my career. I'm an aging fighter. I think I was 38 at the time, and I know that I'm running out of time. And winning that match would have kind of put me back in position to to make a run for the title. Another match or two, and I would have been there. Yeah. Uh, losing that match set me back, and it set me back years, and I knew it. And so then I start looking at the timeline and then I start thinking about, I don't want to get caught on that. Well, I just need to go out on a win because even if I go out on a win, it doesn't erase that loss. And so it's this, this false sense of, uh, I don't know, like this false ego boost is really what it is. If I can go out on a win and things are better, what difference does it make? If I would, if I could have, I could have competed another time and, and won a match and, and it doesn't erase that loss. It doesn't change who I am as an individual. It doesn't change the impact that I made or any of that kind of stuff. So it's a, why push, why push the boundary? You know, I'm set back. I'm not going to make a title run. And so at that point in time, unless something was offered to me that really piqued my interest, there's no sense in doing it. Then you're just, then you just become, um, ego motivated and or money motivated. And yeah. it's, that's a dangerous combination, man. Absolutely, and I, I think a lot of guys could 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 use the advice that, that that you're giving there. I mean, too many times do we see somebody chase that final victory and then it never comes, and you think of all the added damage they took, et cetera. But you've been re- retired for quite some time now. But if memory serves correctly, the last time we spoke, you did say that the right matchup might make you give it one last go. I know you're always in the gym staying in shape, but is is that still the case, or has that door completely shut for you at this point? Uh, it's... Uh... You know, I, I, I don't – possible, not probable. That's the, the phrase I always use. Okay. 44, I realize I'm not 25 anymore, but I also believe that, um, that when, I, when I watch myself, uh, the occasional times I grapple or spar or whatever, that I, that I, haven't, I really haven't, quote, unquote, lost a step. I might be – I'm not as sharp as I was because I'm not in the gym training 25 hours a week anymore. But, um, but I, you know, I believe that if I wanted to take another match that I could perform – at close to the same level I was performing when I was in my prime. Now I'm making a bold statement there and I wouldn't just, I wouldn't just formulate that opinion on my own. If, if the opportunity was presented to me, I would sit down with my coaches, the people who had been, been there through my entire career. And I would say, then I would tell them like, okay, let's, uh, let's seriously assess this. Like I need you guys to give me, and, and you know, we, we've had this talk before my coaches would be straight with me and they would look at me and say, Rich, you, this is a pipe dream, man. You're right. not even half as fast or your reflexes are gone or whatever. They would, they would, <laughs> they're brutal when it comes to that stuff. So I would listen to my coaches. I, I, I have, um, you know, I have no false preso- you know, presumptions or any kind of ego or anything like that that would make me think otherwise. Right. And then you, you definitely need to do that. Listen to the people around you. Um, if you could give yourself your younger self any advice, any kind of advice for this career path, what would it have been? 
Uh, well, I started recognizing this midway through my career, but um, I would have uh, I would I would advise myself on overtraining. Gee, a lot of young athletes they don't they they don't know how to experience uh, balance. Like they don't they don't they don't understand how how to set that up. And towards to, towards the the midpoint of my career, around the around the time that I won the title is when I started really paying attention to this. Is you know I would there's t- there's a time to train and then there's a time to work and a time to play, and you need to make sure that you have a good balance of both. Uh, and fortunately for me, my my play is not the kind of play where I'm out drinking and and uh, doing things that are not that, that are counterproductive to my goals in life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not in between matches putting on 30 pounds and then having to strip all that back off and spend time getting ready to, you know, getting in shape to get to get to prepare. So, but, you know, I have my I have my work and I have my play and there's there's a time to just completely step away from the gym so that you're not actually thinking about the business side of things. You're not thinking about training. You're not thinking about how to escape this person's takedown or, or you know, how to stop their takedown or how to escape this or how to do that. Because this stuff, it's mentally taxing. And uh, my boxing coach, he told me this years ago. Rob told me, you know, you, you have it's like a battery in a car. You only have a certain amount of battery life. And the more you use that battery, the faster it's going to run out. And so uh, this is what I would tell a younger athlete. Because when you're 22, you just, man, you're burning. You're full, you're full of hormones at that age, and, 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 and you don't understand. And then suddenly, you know, 10, 10, 10 years later, you're 32, 33 years old, and you're starting to get to a point where you're kind of tired, like, man, I'm worn out. And it's because you never took time to do anything but train. Um, I, I, had a, I had almost a 10-year run in the UFC. I had a 15-year career uh, professionally, and I was laser-focused on that and only that the entire time. So you, you would have told yourself to slow down a bit and enjoy life more. Absolutely. Absolutely. It brings, it brings balance. You can, you can look at, you can look at research on, on any other topic. Take like, take like a, a, an office workplace, for example, or, or kids in school, you know, kids, kids in school, they only, they only have a certain amount of attention span. And so it's proven that you can, you, if you're giving a lecture or doing some sort of presentation to young children, is you do this in small chunks, you know, so you, you present information for whatever that is, 20 minutes, half hour, 45, and then these kids need a break. Because if you try to just continue cramming, 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 the brain, it's only going to, it's, it's only going to up, you know, uptake so much information before it finally says, I've had enough, and the retention level just drops exponentially. And it's the same thing when you're training. You can, you can do this for whether you're talking about a day and you're spending only so much time in the gym or over a you know, span of weeks or months or whatever. Your, your brain gets to the point where it says, man, I can't, I can't do this. And people oftentimes, when they're training, they think about the physicality of training and how the body wears down. But realistically, and everybody always says this, it's, it's a mental game. Like it's more of a mental game. It's about confidence and all this kind of stuff. But really, it's about your ability to be able to focus in on techniques, execute properly. And so just regardless of the physicality, like you, need, you need to have a sharp mind in order, to, in order to be able to compete at a high level because you have to – you have to hone in on these techniques and learn learn how to do them properly, uh, and then train your body to do them properly. And uh, and when your mind isn't sharp, if you're not if you're not spending the time with proper balance, time of family, time away on vacations, time doing other activities, time out of the gym, so that you're thinking about something completely different, the brain the brain will, it'll fatigue, and then that's going to obviously bleed over into your physical performance. Right, and they go hand in hand, the, the body and mind, and and this is kind of going along with what you were saying earlier. Uh, maybe you're not as sharp as you used to be, but you know all that accumulation of knowledge at your age now. 
that's still relevant in, in regards to combat sports. I mean, you've, you've only downloaded more data over the years. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, you can, I can see it when, when I go into, when I go into a gym and work with uh, younger, younger athletes. Um, it's, I can work with an athlete who's probably in twice as good a shape as me, but because you have experience, you're able to, to compensate for things and, and, you know, suddenly you're dancing circles around somebody and they're looking at you like, how, how are you capable of doing this? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm 25 years old and I'm two weeks out of a match. Uh, and, uh, and, and, you know, you're not even, like, I'm, I'm not even in peak condition right now. And so, uh, and that's just the ability to, the, the ability to, to recognize things and learn how to conserve energy when you need to. And, and just, you know, you just, you learn, you learn the tricks of the game, so to speak. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, listen, before we wrap this up, uh, thank you very much for the time today. You've been more than generous as always, but looking back on your body of work, the level of professionalism you, you always put forward, the incredible moments you've had, what would you like your legacy to say about your career? I know that's heavy. Uh, yeah, man. I mean, like, this is, uh, I know, this is, this, this is one of those questions you ask where you give some sort of epic speech or something. Um, I think just to, to parlay off of what I said, I, I think that my career, like my legacy would be, um, I, I'll just say this. I, I think that, that, that my legacy would be that, that, that uh, this, this is something I didn't do on my own. And I talked about, I talked about my, my, my training team and all that kind of stuff. But even, even beyond that, I, I'm going to take a step further back in my life and, and, and think about my, my high school football career for a second. You know, I, I played I played football for my high school team, and I didn't even start. I wasn't even a starting player. And I always tell people this: that it, you know, it doesn't happen by accident, or it's just not to think that a, a second string or a third string high school football player who doesn't have any history in combat sports is somehow able to win a world title and at one point in my life be the very best in the world at what it is that you do. Like I, like I just, I, I believe that I've been on a guided path my entire life and that God has been looking out for me. And so aside from the team, the team that I've had and, and the, the people surrounding me that, um, I, there's no way I could have done this on my own period. And, uh, and for, for anybody that, um, is arrogant enough to think that they can, they'll never end up with a hall of fame induction at the end of their career. Yeah. You'd be sorely mistaken if, if that's your train of thought. And it's not like uh, the legacy's over yet either. I mean, you, you've still got a lot more to accomplish and contribute to the sport. Shoot over. Shoot. My, my story is just beginning. Man. Right. Right. Absolutely. I got, I got, I have just as, I have more life ahead of me than I have behind me. That's true. hundred percent true. So I'm, I'm just getting started, man. All right, Rich, listen, thank you very much for the time today. Pleasure speaking Pleasure, with you, man. Always. And uh, th- th- today, even more so of an honor knowing that you're a Hall of Famer now. I look forward to all the continued success on the business side of combat sports, and I hope we can chat again in the future. But in conclusion, what can all the fans be on the lookout for with one championship? And please feel free to plug anything and everything you wish. The floor is yours, man. Uh, I, you know, I, uh, it depends on, on – <laughs> When you say, what can the fans be on the lookout for for one championship, man, you're talking to the globe here, and so we're all over the place now. You're uh, going to see us continue to grow. You're going to see us expand regions. You're going to see a different landscape in the United States. And, uh, yeah, man, and and you're just going to continue seeing great cards like we had in Tokyo over and over again. And uh, on a personal note, I want to say thanks to uh, everybody who supported me over the years, those people that are closest to me and all the fans and, and, and 
everything else and uh and uh you know last and not but not least you always say the best for last i just want to give thanks to god for keeping keeping me safe through my career man on the back end of this whole thing i'm i'm in uh, relatively considering i had a 15-year career i'm in relatively great shape um, i have my wits about me and uh and i couldn't i couldn't ask for I'm, I'm just i'm a blessed individual that's all i'm going to say man and so thank you so much for having me on and uh, appreciate the time together Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Congratulations, Rich. Uh, you are a living legend, my friend. Have a fantastic day and a great Easter. All love from everybody here at Team Penn, man. Awesome, man. Thank you so much. All right, Rich. You have a great day. Take care. Later. You guys have heard me use these words many times, speaking to many athletes on this show. However, I can't help but repeat myself in saying that Rich Franklin has been and always will be a consummate professional, both in and outside of the cage, and obviously that translates into his executive position as well. You guys heard me mention it, this is kind of a long time coming for Rich to be inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame. He's going to be in the pioneer wing, I cannot think of a more suitable place for his induction. The man had a legendary career, fought legends of the sport, all the big names that you could think of over the years. And how selfless of him to chalk up all of his success to all the people around him that helped him get there. Not a lot of guys would summarize their entire career as the work of the village that it takes to build up one of these athletes, as you heard me discuss earlier. So again, hats off to Rich. Big things on the way with one championship. You guys know BJPenn.com. We cover them extensively. It's very intriguing to hear Rich say, that the TNT deal that they have now is just the tip of the iceberg. Let's see what that translates to in the coming year. So again, Rich Ace Franklin, UFC 2019 Hall of Fame inductee, president of the One Warrior Series, an integral part of the One Championship team. And for all the latest and greatest coverage on One Championship, you guys know what's up, BJPenn.com, we've got you covered. But let's keep it moving. Coming up next, I got to preface this one by saying it's a first for BJPenn.com radio and that we have two athletes on the same call. Zane Kamaka, Ray Cooper III, both Hawaiian warriors, and apparently cousins. Cousins that are set to scrap in the opening round of the 2019 PFL season. Going into this interview, I was unsure as to how it would all play out, whether it be a respectful conversation or whether these guys would be going at each other's throats. The end result, I think it worked out well, and I would be open to doing something like this again in the future. So, let's keep it moving. BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice. Coming up next, Zane Kamaka and Ray Cooper III. All right, Penn Nation. We've got a couple of badass Hawaiian warriors together on the same call for you. Please welcome back to the show, brother boy Ray Cooper III, and making his first appearance on BJ Penn Radio, Please welcome to the show the Wai'anae bad boy, Zane Kamaka. These gentlemen are set to throw down on May 9th in Long Island, New York, for the opening round of the PFL 2019 season. Thank you guys both for joining us today. How is life on the islands? Hey, what's up? All right, now listen, for, for, for all of our listeners that are that are wondering why we have you both on the, on the same call together, not only are you both Hawaiian, both from Wai'anae, but you guys are actually cousins. Cousins who are set to scrap in a few weeks and make a statement for the opening round of this PFL season. Are you guys first cousins, and are you guys close? 
I, I guess, uh, Ray, let's start with you. Um, no, we're not close. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. You uh, you guys are first cousins, though? No, we're not first cousins. Okay, so... It's complicated. So this is... Okay, all right. So this is a distant relationship. They kind of sold it to me like you guys actually might be tight. That's not the case, uh, Zane? Uh, we know each other. We train together, you know. I considered him family, but this is just an opportunity that I couldn't pass up. You know what I mean? I cannot be fighting in Hawaii my whole life. And, like, fuck it. I never know that was going to make me match him up first. But then Red said that he wanted to fight me. And I ain't fucking, you know what I mean? I don't for whatever. It is what it is. I have no, like, I ain't have nothing bad to say about him. What he did last season was awesome, you know. I was happy for him. But, like, fuck, you know, it is what it is. I, I don't know. So, Ray, what what made you want this fight? Well, to me, how I grew up, um, we don't fight each other or, or get in each other's way of anything or even challenge each other. That's how I grew up, and um, that's how I always thought. Even if it's a big opportunity, I would I would not even think about doing that <clears throat> to one of our family members. And, um, yeah, he... um. If he treats it as a competition, then okay, it's going to be a competition, and uh, he means nothing to me. So, how, how did this fight get made? Was there any hesitation from either one of you guys to accept the matchup? Was this the matchup that was proposed initially? This is the first uh, matchup they offered me, honestly. Okay, and, and Ray, that was the same case for you? Oh, I, I asked for this fight, and obviously, like, fight the best guys inside the division, and I'm one of them, so. I went asked for this fight, and um, I just feel disrespected, disrespected, and yeah, well, and that's pretty much it. Now, d- d- disrespected by by Zane or by the company for for setting up this match? Not by the company, by Zane and him saying that we're family, but obviously we're not because he's trying to he like fight, he like going to the same weight class, and and I'm in the same weight class, and we're gonna fight sooner or later if. If he chose to come into this weight class, and he did, and now we're fighting. All right, so so you took it as him coming in at welterweight. That was a direct jab at you. Yeah, pretty much. Now, Zane, Zane, what 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 what's your response to that? I mean, do you, do you feel like this was the only Bro, way they made they, sense for they you? They took it in the wrong way. I had no hospitality towards them. I just trying for eat, though. You know what I mean? I like. I don't know, I don't know how I was going to fight him. Who fucking... I thought PFL, if anything, would have waited for us to go to the finals, if anything. Like, you know what I mean? But I don't know. They get on, they get us going off the bat. I don't know. They start telling people we're not family, this and that. So fucking... I don't know, bro. It is what it is. But me and him is the top guys in Hawaii. We've been the top guys. I've been fighting 170 my whole life. He started at 55. So fuck, I don't know. It is what it is. So uh, initially, it sounds like this was the, there was nothing personal for you, Zane. But, but now hearing how, how Ray's... Approaching it that, you know, this might get personal. Yeah, I, I guess, like, fuck, I didn't even, like, fucking do it, this bullshit. I guess, like, fight and, and take care of my family, dog, you know what I'm saying? But I'm struggling, bro. I'm going to do whatever I got to do to take care of my family, bro, you know what I'm saying? And, like, they're telling me I'm not family, this and that. Fuck, I ain't represent Dr. Martin name from the jump. I ain't hold him down for the family. But obviously, I'm not family, so fuck, it is what it is. Yeah, well, all right, so I... I, I, I I know that Ray has said that that he's he plans on going for the kill. I mean, I would expect that from any fight either way, but uh, this is personal for you, Ray. I mean, it's not just the name of the game to go out there and scrap. Yeah, it is personal, and um, 
I don't fight how I always fight on a point fight like he does. I come out there for finish guys, and um, that's what I can do. And um, yeah, he just our family name. That's that's my mom's family name, and right now he's just he don't care about family. And um, again, I I wouldn't do this to my family anyway. So I mean, he can say so- what he want, but. So, so from his him his perspective of uh, you know getting this opportunity, I mean, the, the, in in your case, if you were in his shoes, you would have declined the fight. Well, I would have went to a different weight class if he was. Bro, one eighty five got fucking canceled, and I cannot make fifty five. I don't. Whatever, dog. If you if you want to say that, then whatever. It doesn't matter. I would have went up to I would have went up to two five, and that's it. Come on, bro. Now you're talking stupid. You wouldn't have gone to 205. Stop it. You and dummy. Bottle boy. We'll see. You know damn well we'll you see. cannot stand at me, bro. Bro, how are you going to knock? You fucking, you four feet and you punch me. I'm going to eat you up on the feet. Not, I ain't going to go for four takedown. Trust me. I'm going to finish we'll you, bro. We'll see. I'm going to finish we'll you, bottle boy. We'll bro. The pressure going to be your... Fucking your aggression and your pressure going to be your downfall. I'm telling you. Your aggression going to be your downfall. Oh my gosh, bro. You, you didn't finish. I promise you. You did it in your mind. I'll smash you when I was 18. I'll be practicing. I'll smash, smash you. Fucker, how you didn't smash me? You fight steady guys. You didn't skip fighting Christian Snurls. You didn't skip fighting all the top guys. I don't even know what you're talking about. Bro, you didn't skip fighting all the top guys and you didn't run away. You never fight nobody tough. Jake Shields is fucking 40 years old, dog. Okay. Like you would have been. Finally, in fight one top. Jake Shield is forty years old. The fucking Brazilian you fought took that fight on short notice, bro. And you finally fought somebody good. You got smashed. Okay, bro. That's all you can do is talk. We'll see. We'll see, bro. Again, big. All right, now listen, listen. Bro, you're on big mo. You're on punk. You're on troublemaker, and I want to fucking hurt you, man. I promise you, bro. Okay. All right, let me let, let, let me jump back in here. Let me jump back in here. Have you guys, do you guys cross paths in the gym? Do you train together at all? I mean, it's it almost sounds like you guys know each other's styles very well. Is that just from watching each other and coming up together, or? Me and him never really trained too much. We ain't trained before. Yeah, his, his, his wrestling was obviously better than mine. He was state champion. But that was like fucking six years ago. Fuck, I, bro, this guy don't get eaten up, I'm telling you. You're going to need more than power and aggression for beat me, though. My striking is world class, and you're going to see it. Okay, okay. So all you good at is talking. That's all you good at. Bro, all you do is talk, bro. Literally. Who you in fight besides the Russian that is tough, brother boy? Come on, bro. Okay, it doesn't matter. Nobody, nobody you fought was tough either. Fuck, Christian Snails would lick you. Oh, my goodness. That boring fight. That's one of people fight, Trace, and you said no. Boring Come fight. On. That boring fight. Oh, my goodness. Bro, Christian Snails would lick you. Shout out. Okay. Okay. Keep talking. All right. All right. So, Hawaiians, of course, are are known to be fighters through and through. Uh, Ray comes from the combat sports family. Obviously, you do as well, Zane. We've seen him in action, taking heads off in this past year. But for you, Zane, personally, you're looking to make this debut on a worldwide stage with this fight. Tell us a little bit about your background. You know, your come up, and uh, you know what this opportunity means for you in regards to staking your own claim as one of the baddest in the world? I have no martial arts background. Like, like, like he was, he, he, he been starting for wrestling, but, but I started my career as an MMA fighter. I can mix him up anywhere. 
This guy, this guy don't know how to adapt to one fight. If a fight not go his way, he gave up. He no more hot. This guy is nothing. I'm telling you, I promise you. Well, I'm gonna eat you, him up everywhere. Ray, your response to that? Well, that's, that's just how he feel. That's how he feel. Then, yeah. Now, eating animal okay, okay, but I won't give him this. Ray get power, and I, I fucking Ray get power for knock me out. I give him that. But I get power for knocking him out too, trust me. Now, Zane, seeing Ray's success so far, is that a big motivation for you? I mean, given that you guys are cut from the same cloth? Ray Cooper is a good fighter. Like, fuck, he, he made him to the finals. Obviously, he brings something to the table. But, bro, it's just, I'm ready. I've been ready. You know what I mean? I fuck tough guys before. I fuck guys with knuckle power. This is just not a fight. Like he said, this is just not a fight. No. This is nothing. Now, Ray, Ray, you, you looked amazing last season. Uh, unfortunately, the final didn't go your way against uh, Magomed. I can only imagine that, that that's motivated you to come back this season and take it all, right? Yeah. Um, my motivation is just to get back to the finals and um, hopefully get back at that, uh, at Magomed. But we'll see. But my ultimate goal is to get back to the finals and, and uh, win, the, win the whole thing. Yeah, right. Take home that fat check. Looking back on the fight, what kind of adjustments would you make? Um, I was pushing the fight most of the whole fight. Um, I just left my neck out too much, and he was running away the whole fight. So it's just one adjustment. I just got to check my neck better when I'm going in for takedowns. Um, I think he was panicking, and he just jumped on that neck uh, just the moment he got it. So. I'll I'll up to him and yeah I'll go see him pretty soon. Now w- would you be disappointed if you didn't get to meet him again in, in the bracket somewhere? Um, not really. Um, my goal is to get to the finals. But I would love to get that match back, but um, the way this this uh, format is, it, it doesn't matter. We got to score points before we even get into the the tournament. So right, um, right. you're not in the yet. So you got to score your points before you even get there. So. We'll see. And and for you, Zane, when when you look at the landscape of competition in this league in the division, uh, obviously aside from Ray, do, do you feel like you'll be right at home here? Like uh, like this is your coming out party to the world? Honestly, bro, I ain't even looking at it as one tournament. I just taking on one fight at a time. I ain't worried about no Russians, no Brazilians. Right now, my main focus is on Brother Cooper, and I want to take him step by step. And I fucking ready for this fight. I know he's strong. I know he's aggressive. I know he hit hard, and I ready for anything. I'm telling you. This is it. Whatever, oh fuck, whatever happens, happens. This is on fight. Somebody got to lose. Fuck, I'm ready to go. So regardless of who wins May 9th, depending on how things go, there's still a possibility that you guys could cross paths a second time. Would you be down for that, or, or would you guys say, hey, man, come on, you've already had us do this once? Bro, this is out of my hands by now. Like, bro, I'm just a fighter. Fucking my manager, PFL can focus on that. Fucking the only thing I ain't control of is my training. I'm not worried about shit. Right, and and for you, Ray, would you be reluctant to 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 cross paths with Zane again if you guys were to meet in the final or something? No, I don't even think you're gonna make it past this this um, first two fights. So I'm not really worried about him. I'm gonna knock him out, and then I'll move on. All right. Now, obviously, the million dollar prize is life changing, and you're both very hungry for that. But being that that you guys are family, at the end of the day, would you? Be happy to see the other one succeed and make it to the final. Uh, first for you, Ray. No, I really don't. I don't. I'm not even thinking about that. I really, 
focusing on just fighting and whatever he does, I really don't care. True, true. Okay. And and for you, Zane, I'm sure that's the you have the same sentiment? Yeah, bro, it is what it is, bro. This guy never, bro, I ain't taking away nothing from the guys he fought in the tournament. You know, obviously they deserve to beat up. But none of the guys he fought stand up is up to my stand up. I'm telling you, this guy is. Okay, we'll see. Yeah, we see. I cannot wait till you walk into one fucking right hand. You wouldn't taste that sound difference as well. Okay. Oh, you're so funny. Okay. I hope your cordial is off because your cordial is shit. Oh my goodness. You can't even wrestle. I'm going to take it on. I'm going to pound you for 15 minutes. That's what you think. That's what yeah, you think. Okay. I'm going to drop That's you first you and then I'm going to pound you the whole time. Make you look stupid. Not a boy. Very when much. you catch, not a boy. You catch guys, then you drop them and then you, you got to fall off. I catch guys, I knock them out. They go sleep. You don't knock nobody out. You never knock That's what you what? think. That's what you think. Oh yeah, because I'm not fighting 40 year old guys. I'm not fighting fucking 40 year old guys. Chris is 39. What are you talking about? Bro. Oh. What? He's old too, but nothing against Chris. Chris is a banger. But you never knock him out. Unfinished Jake Shields twice. You didn't fight Chris. The excellent ass people fight him. Why you never fight him then? Oh my gosh. That was an ass. It's out of my head. That's out of my when ass. X one and when X one ask you for fight, Chris, you never fight him. You gain strip the belt, and I ain't fight him for you. Thank you. You done dummy. I was fighting in PFL already. You dumb. Oh, come on, you embarrass everybody. PFL and screw you over because now you forced to fight me. I won't fuck you up, honestly. <laughs> forced to fight you. I told him give me this fight. What? Because you had Dara. Crush you. You think so? You nothing. You is bro. Whatever you said, bro. So, 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 just to recap, just to get this straight, Ray, you you did request this fight specifically because you felt it was disrespectful for Zane to come in at 170 pounds. Yeah. Okay. Now, just to get back to the million dollar prize here for a moment, again, life changing for either one of you guys. Uh, first with you, Ray. I mean, what would that money mean to you and and uh, you know your career as a whole? Um, it's, it'll be good money. Um, just taking my family and um, get ready for the next season coming up. And yeah, right to make make that multiple millions. And uh, for you, Zane, I mean, how life changing would a million bucks be, man? You know, bro, fucking all I like to do is take care of my family, bro. It, it's never about me. If I don't want nothing, I'm okay with shit. But I like give my family on good life, and I want to do whatever I need to do to do that. All right. Now, how do you guys visualize the fight playing out? Uh, first, let's start with you, Zane. Obviously, he would have to come in. He's shorter than me. You know what I mean? Fucking, it is what it is. This guy, I get so much weapons. This guy, God will fight the same in every fight. He gonna come in swinging punches or he gonna take you down. Fuck, what else can you do? All right, and, f- and, f- and for you, Ray, how do you visualize the fight playing out? Same thing or? No, I can come in. Cause he's not gonna come in. I'm gonna come in. I'm gonna catch him. He's gonna drop. I'm gonna get on top of him and I'm gonna finish him. Re- regardless of the outcome, it sounds like the fans are in for a hell of a fight, a hell of a show, regardless, right? Yeah, it's just hilarious. <laughs> All right, guys, listen. This is, uh, again, the first time for me. I appreciate you guys both doing this. In conclusion, just tell all the fans out there. Why you're the guy to win the PFL season, take home a million dollars, Ray? Let's start with you. Uh, just gonna um, go out there and um, 
take care of business and finish him and finish everybody that I can fight and get back to the finals. And for you, Zane, again, again, big opportunity here, man, on, on the world stage. Uh, tell everybody why you're the guy to win this season. All these guys came up on full stomach. Me, I starving and I like eat because time for me for eat. I'm hungry. I've never been this hungry in my life. And fuck, I'm just ready for go. You know what I mean? Win or lose. I don't give a fuck about the money. I just subscribe to all of them. Ah, spoken like a true Hawaiian, my friend. All right, listen, thank you guys very much for the time today. It's been a pleasure speaking with you both. I'm really looking forward to this fight, even more so now now knowing that there's a bit of bad blood between you guys. But before we let you go, any shout-out, sponsor plugs, the floor is yours. Uh, let's start with Zane. I say thank my team, my coaches, um, Ariel Inc., Fakuer Inc., but, oh, man, I got so much support throughout my throughout my career and throughout this camp. I just I cannot even name them all off the top of my head right now, but my family and just, you know, man, this this tournament will be for everybody who wasn't supposed to make it in life and who was called a loser and who fucking always had the odds again. And this one is for the fucking the fucking underdog, bro. All right, man. And uh, for you, Ray, the, the floor is yours, bro. Shout out, sponsor plugs, anything you want to say in conclusion? Um, just thank you to Jesus for giving me the opportunity to fight in the PFL and my family, my wife and my kids, my mom and my dad, and the rest of my, my family, my real family. And um, my sponsors, um, Hawaii's Finest, and to Paul Lally, thank you, brother. All right, again, b- best of luck to both of you guys on May 9th. Hopefully we can catch up again after the fight. I uh, greatly appreciate the time. I hope you guys have a great day, and hopefully you don't cross paths before the fight over there on the islands. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, guys. Thank you both very much. Uh, All right. All right. Later. Well, my friends, that was interesting to say the least. As you guys heard me discuss earlier in the interview, a couple of Hawaiian scrappers, Hawaiians always being known for that warrior spirit. I have no doubt this is going to be a crazy fight. But I will say on a personal level, kind of bums me out to think that there's some bad blood between these two guys, considering that they're family. On the other hand, the beauty of the sport, they get to settle it in the cage and hopefully leave it there. So again, May 9th, Long Island, New York, Zane Kamaka against Ray Cooper Third. The cousins are going to scrap for the opening round of this PFL season. But let's keep it moving like we always do. Coming up next to close things out, BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice, the one and only John Doomsday Howard set to return to welterweight for the PFL 2019 season. Let's jump right into it. All right, Penn Nation, please welcome back to the show longtime MMA veteran and a guy I've had the pleasure of working with over the years, Boston's own John Doomsday Howard. Doomsday, glad to have you back on the show with us again, man. How have you been? How how has this journey been going for you uh, since the last time we spoke? Um, this journey's been crazy, man. It's been a um, up and down situation in my MMA career, man. Just trying to go forward and trying to get uh, where I can get less of my career, of my um, my last years. Absolutely. Now I know the the latter years of everything. That's something I wanted to get to in a moment. But last time we spoke, I believe, was right before your World Series of Fighting debut, if memory serves correct. Now you're set to make your return for yet another PFL season coming up on May 9th in Long Island. First off, man, how has your training camp been going so far? My training camp has been amazing, man. Um, It's been unreal. Um, Thank you to FEF Gym, Kickboxing, Shaw Graham, amazing uh, coach. 
also I've been doing a lot of jujitsu with my uh my instructor, my my master I call him, Dave Ginsberg out of Ginsberg Jiu Jitsu. And uh, I've been working a lot with Jake Pillow, who's also a uh, one of my young fighters, my uh, my personal young fighter, I, I, I like to say. But the camp has been amazing, man. I feel good. I feel healthy. I feel young. I feel like I'm ready to go. Now, last season you were competing at 185. I know in previous conversations you've told me that you like competing at middleweight, but for this season you'll be moving back to 170. Tell us about the decision to drop back down. Well, this is what happened, man. Um, PFL decided to go with a, a different direction and get rid of the, the 185 weight class. So when they did that, they gave me the option of going to 205 and 170. I said, I'm way too small to be <laughs> at, at 205, so 170, here I come. And, um, it, I mean, it was a good, it's a good opportunity, man, to give me a second chance, you know, uh, come back, especially what happened last year. Man, and, um, yeah, I'm glad to have a second chance like this, man, and, um, Make my mark, man. And I'm actually real excited to come out of the welterweight. I think I'm a way better fighter the welterweight, and I can't wait to show and prove that. Well, now, I know that came as a bit of a surprise for everybody that, that the PFL would be dissolving the 185-pound division. What was your reaction to that news? I was like, wow, okay, well, I guess I can't be a fat boy. No, I, I got to get disciplined and get in shape. <laughs> uh, that's honestly when it came out to them. Um like, I do pretty well at 185. I beat some tough of competitors at 185. I like uh, Uriah Hall. Um, uh, some other uh, guys, too. Um, uh, who was it? Uh, Eddie Gordon. Uh, Gordon. Um, he was a UFC uh, ultimate fighter, and uh, I follow him. He's a big boy. But I was able to beat those guys at 185, so I feel good there. You know, I'm not necessarily as big, but I could hang them with there. So, But going back back to welterweight, you know, I feel I'm going to uh, be one of the bigger welterweights and then uh, a lot more, uh, a bigger force to be reckoned with now. Absolutely, absolutely. And I know a lot of your success uh, outside of the PFL ha- has been at welterweight, of course at middleweight as well. Obviously, weight cuts being a big deal, you don't want to drain yourself too much, but a lot of people have considered you undersized for middleweight. You know, uh, Not that you don't carry a pretty big frame, but the height and reach you know, obviously being a factor. Do you feel like you'll be a bit more evenly matched against these guys at welterweight? Yeah, man, I, I think me being a welterweight, um, it's going to be a lot more uh, power, I suppose, and because the guys are basically my same body size, there's a lot there's a lot of things I can't do at middleweight. I could do a welterweight. I, I feel I have a lot more power, and able to pick somebody up and move them easily in the, with the power. Those are going to be a lot, a lot more uh, accurate now, you know, and I don't really have to, like, uh, wait for my shots as a middleweight. The middleweight, I have to take my time and find the right perfect timing. Now my timing, I can decide when to take off and not, you know. So, I, I mean, if anybody watch me, I'm middleweight. They see the damage I'm doing, and everybody keeps saying I'm a pretty small middleweight. But I'm a perfect size welterweight. And you, if everybody thought I was powerful at, at um, middleweight, wait you see me at welterweight because I'm going to bring a lot more damage and destruction to welterweight. Uh, I have no doubt, man. Again, so much of your career fought at 170 pounds. But you mentioned discipline there and, you know, not uh not being a fat boy as you said do you, do you feel like that discipline that 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 cutting weight all of those things that's probably only going to lend itself to a better performance right uh most, mostly if you do it right see mom i i figured like this generation how to cut weight um got a little smarter not not um than how we used to do the old school heads to do it so it's better but i think the way i cut weight because i'm going to old school with it and i could put the a major pile of weight back on I think I have advantage of that because um, the new school and the old school cut weight completely different. And the way I cut weight, you know, they're gonna see a, they're gonna see me make weight, 
at 170, but when they see me in the cage, they can probably see a 200-pound man. So that's what they got to deal with, you know. I'm bringing that old school, you know, Tito T, Chuck Liddell style to like where we have a big, big frame, and we go a few weight classes down, and we, we dominate. So that's why I'm bringing the table, and I'm excited for that. You know, when, when I'm in middleweight, I can eat more. I can be a little undisciplined. I still train hard, but I'm not really intaking the right stuff because I don't have to. But now I walked away. I can't even mess around. You know, as a matter of fact, I had to change my whole life again as I walked away. Um, I didn't even quit drinking. Uh, a, lot, a lot of stuff I used to do, I just had to quit because of uh, making a weight with the sugars and stuff. So it's crazy. But I, I feel I'm a way better athlete. I'm a lot more conditioned. I'll be a lot more stronger and powerful at this weight class. That's interesting. So you're saying, you know, obviously, you're taking the old school approach to weight cutting and water loading, putting that weight back on for the fight. But it also sounds to me like, uh, in general, as an athlete, this is probably uh, overall better for your performance in that you're making those kinds of decisions to, to cut that kind of stuff out of your life to, uh, you know, to be a better bath athlete for, for lack of a better word. Yeah. And that's what it is. It's like, uh, welterweight, um, at middleweight, I'm very powerful, but welterweight, I'm a way better athlete. See, welterweight, that's when I could do backflips and cartwheels and do, do my cup where I can move my body more at middleweight. You know, I always have that solid power, but at welterweight, you know, I'm, I'm doing stuff. Like I can run up the wall and do a backflip now and again. You know, it's just, there's a lot more stuff that I, I'm able to use to do as a kid I can with a small weight class, so I'm excited for that. You know, and I, I promise the whole PFO world, the whole MMA world, me going back as a welterweight, you're going to see the old school John Dupin Howard front flips, back flips, doing crazy stuff like I used to. <laughs> awesome, man. Awesome. So your opponent is uh, Magomed Kemerov. Uh, he was the winner of the last season's welterweight tournament. And he's defending the championship uh, going into this season. Give us your thoughts on him as an opponent and how you guys match up. I think he's, I think he's good. He's talented, man. Um, and I've said that it, it's easy to say because um, he is the welterweight champion. But that being said, I just think my experience of fighters I have versus his experience of fighters, it's going to be the difference in this fight because I, I think I had a lot more tougher competition in UFC versus what he has in his career. So that way he has to worry about him being a champion, you know, which congratulations to him, but I'm not looking at him as a champion. I'm looking at him as another fighter I got to take out, you know, and I think I'm going to be a serious force to be reckoned with, you know, and like, like I said, like, everybody knows when I fight at welterweight, you know, I don't go to, like, no one tries to knock you out. I, try, I go to try to break your face in, you know, so I, I hit different, a different type of power. So I want to see how he deal with it. I want to see what happens when I touch him with that middleweight power. You know, people forget the the reason why I was able to beat Uriah Hall is because I was giving um I was able to like square off with him and give him power shots. You know, he's a powerful guy. Any powerful shot he gave me, I was able to give him right back. And he he's one of the hardest hitters in um welterweight um middleweight division in the UFC. Me going back to welterweight, I'm gonna have that same power, probably more a lot more accuracy. And I want to see how just these smaller frame welterweights take my power. I'm really interested because I want to see who stands in front of me. I did anybody in PFL to stand in front of me. I did any of them. Now, and again, like you mentioned, Uriah Hall there, uh, that, that fight was also on pretty short notice, correct? Yeah, that was short notice. Um, It was uh, within a month uh, range, and I was able to still get in shape and still deliver the power that I delivered. And even he said, he's like, I have nothing but respect for your power, man. I didn't think he was going to hit that hard. I told him, you too, man, you hit as hard as, as uh, they promote, you promoted to be. But I figured you hit me, I'm going to hit you right back. Right. You know, so he, <laughs> Like, he gave me that respect. So if if Uriah Hall was able to respect my power, I want I want to see who stands in front of me. I didn't anybody. I didn't any of these welterweights to stand in front of me. I I 
double, double down. I want to see if they can take my real power shot. Like, I want to see because middleweight, I was a force. I was away. <laughs> I'm a monster. Doomsday is coming back, and he will be back to stay. Now, it's a big opportunity for you here to, to take on the top seed in the opening round and put the, the rest of the division on notice. But at the same time, you've got the toughest matchup to kick things off. Obviously, everything you're saying here, uh, you plan on scoring that upset. But, you know, how are you approaching this one? Is it going to be uh, maybe a bit more reserved, uh, trying to ensure the win? Or, like you're saying, you're just going to go out there and look to take heads off? Um, I'm definitely, me being experienced, it's, it's definitely reserved. But it's aggression reserve, you know. If the finish is there, I'll take it. If the win is there, it's gonna. But I'm coming in. I'm, I'm coming in really hurting people first. You know, that was I was famous for that back in my um when I was in the UFC. Is really hurting people, giving that giving that power and you know and getting this. So that that's one thing. Obviously, I definitely win. My focus is to win this tournament. I'm real confident I'm going to win this tournament. But I'm going with the win. I'm going in to let people know. No, I'm here to stay. And I'm I'm hurting people. I'm letting people know. I'm here to say this. This is my. I'm taking over this 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 weight division. Now, last season you made it to the semifinals for 185. You fought the eventual winner, Lewis Taylor. Uh, that fight went to a draw following an illegal knee. There was some criticism from the fans following that fight. After the knee, the fight was called a draw, and they scored the first round, allowing Lewis to advance. Walk us through what happened there. Did you want to continue, and did you expect that result to end up in a draw, and then? Lewis continuing in the tournament regardless. Now, honestly, I never heard no uh, no BS that happened to me, man. And I'm I'm really I'm really disappointed um about uh, from a, a, the way that even went down because it's like if illegal is illegal knee illegal knee is illegal it's it, it's sorry sorry about that no problem no problem sorry about that guys my my, my damn radio Can you hear me <laughs> yeah oh. yep Can you hear me yeah yeah yeah. Sorry about that. Um, I'm really disappointed about that whole situation and how that went down because illegal knee is an illegal knee. You know, even though they scored a draw or how they are scored, I don't, I don't even understand that process. So I'm real disappointed that that, that was allowed to happen. Um, and I still don't get it and understand it how that was able to go that way. And it's, it's, it's not that the point I didn't want to continue. Of course, everybody wants to fight continue, but when someone scores a knee, like that, and the reason he scores the knee to get you down is like, come on, dude. I'm down. I'm clearly down. That knee was hard. Like, I watched it so much. That knee was so hard that when he kneed me, I fought back, and then he pushed me down. I'm like, come on, man. You know, and that, 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 that's really that, that whole situation disappointed me to the point where I want to get stupid. But you know what? Me being disciplined, being the person I am, I said, okay, I'll come back next year. But know this, right? He didn't. He is going back to welterweight. So you know I'm looking for redemption, 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 redemption. And I can't wait. That that's one fight or oh, redemption. So right? I, so so the, it was kind of a case of like you not understanding cuz again for for everybody watching at home, I was a little baffled at at how he was able to advance on a what what technically you would assume would be a disqualification ends up as a draw. I mean, it was all very confusing. So it sounds like you were just as confused. I was beyond just as confused, and, I, and more more than anything, I was heated. I was mad. That's a million dollars, you know. I got. I feel I got robbed for a million dollars, you know. And and then not a part of it is the people that are supposed to protect you for not happen. Just let it happen, you know. I I, I don't care. My argument is the illegal knee is illegal knee. Doesn't matter. When illegal action stops the fight, it doesn't matter if the action on purpose or whatever the situation. It happened. Okay, there needs to be, needs to be proper consequences for that. 
I couldn't continue the fight because he knee me in the face, which is illegal. Okay, and for, and for him to pass the line, it's like it's like they're saying it's okay to cheat. I'm saying so. I was right. I was really mad and I was really disappointed. That really that really put me put me in a different mindset. That like okay, I, I see how it is, you know. And it's clearly and the the best part is it happened in front of everybody and still it let it happen. No one said nothing. It's like oh, it's just one of those things. No, it's not one of those things. It's, it's something illegal. And you gotta let this happen. I'm saying and what I'm saying is yeah, I protested and everything, but. The, the point is, is like, I'm powerless. And then it puts a man in my position where I should have been the one in the million, in the million dollar in, in the fight, you know, in, in the, the final fight, at least. I should have been that. And I got robbed. You know, that, that was straight robbery at its best. And I, I still, right now, I'm getting emotional right now, and I can't believe I have it. But you know what? It's okay. Everything happens for a reason. And I'll get my own redemption. Know that. Right. Well, like you said, uh, given the fact that that he will be in the same weight class as you, you're hoping for that fight going forward to avenge that, you know, that situation. And like you're saying, you know, uh, I mean, yeah, exact revenge on on Lewis Taylor for what happened in that last fight. Yeah, it's definitely revenge, right? Like, like, listen, here's my focus, right? I don't know how Lewis Taylor is going to perform. Um, is going to perform going a welterweight. Okay, he has a tough guy. Chris Curtis is a guy from CES. He's a world champion uh, at, at, um, at welterweight um, down here. He's pretty good, so I want to see how he handles, um, how Taylor handles him, if he surpasses him. Right? I'm more f- focused on winning my million dollars and winning this tournament. You know, so, but just know this, Taylor, if I don't see you in this tournament, I, I pray everything works out that I do see you in this tournament, but if I don't see you in this tournament, we definitely have a fight scheduled in the future. I was like, that, that's a redemption that needs to happen. That was a BS. Right. And unfinished business. It, unfinished business. Unfinished business. This unfinished business. Right now, my business is to make a million dollars. I'm not l- letting my personal vendetta blind me of a million dollars. But if it happens to come down, we have to fight. Oh, I, I hope that happens for redemption. If it doesn't, I'll chase him. I'll find him. I, I, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll find him. I'll call, I'll call some intimate organization, make a whole story about it, and we will fight one day. We will fight. I hope it's in this tournament. If it's not in this tournament, or I'm getting my redemption. That's something you never forget. Right, right. And all of it considered, the the drama with the situation, and like you said, costing you the million-dollar fight, this is just another reason to really put on a show May 9th and put everybody on notice that you're coming for the for the million dollars this year and this season. Yes, 100%. I'm coming for the million dollars. I'm taking the million dollars, and I, I, I can't wait. I'm very excited. I'm in shape. I'm healthy. And I, I just don't want to give so much away and say too much, but just know I'm holding back how, how excited I am for this situation because I, I can't wait. I can't wait. I don't want to say I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I just want everybody to watch May 9th, Thursday night fights, ESPN2, John Doomsday Hour, Megan Walter Wake coming back. And also, another thing I'd like to mention, this is my first time as a Brazilian to do the black belt at Welterweight. So I'm excited for that too. Really? When did you uh when did you get blessed with the black belt? I got a blessed with black belt about a year and a half ago. Awesome, awesome. So like you're saying that that size and strength advantage that's only going to apply just as much on the ground as it does on the feet. Yes, everywhere. I'm just as dangerous, and at welterweight, I'm a, a lot better. I'm a better wrestler. I'm a better. I'm a capable person. So I'm excited, man. You know, there's a lot of things personal happening to me. It's my first time fighting in New York. It's my first time fighting a black belt as a welterweight. So the whole thing, a whole lot of things is overchanging with me, and everything's looking up. So I'm real excited for this. This is my um my rebirth outcome. 
Right, resurrection here. Uh, how, how are you on time? I got a few more things here for you. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm wondering, just give us your thoughts on the uh, PFL format. You know, I think there was a lot of questions going into the first season. People really didn't understand how it was going to work, but we've seen millionaires made and some amazing fights from last season. I said this last year, but but I think that as this thing progresses, it really could uh, change the game entirely. Would you agree with that? I would give 100% PFL. I want to say thank you so much to PFL and the organization, Ray Sofo, everybody that has been uh, putting work in this for this organization to go so hard. Um, yes, um, Jason Haddock, too. Thank you, man. He's another one. I want to say yes, man. This changes the game. It's about time that MMA fighters start getting treated like million dollar athletes. Yes, yes, yes. And I'm, I'm better. I, I, I feel really, really, really good about this league, and it's going to change the whole MMA world. You know, and it needs to. It needs to be, you know, that people need to see that MMA fighters are million-dollar athletes, you know. And it's it's tiring. It's sad that some of these athletes put their life on the line to perform for, for entertainment reason and only get paid crumbs. And we need to stop that. So thank you again for PFL, not only for giving the opportunity and giving, giving being back in the PFL, but for changing the MMA game and making MMA fighters million-dollar athletes. Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%, man. The... The fighter pay has always been a big issue for me, one one close to my heart, because I I cannot imagine that guys are still getting paid ten and ten on the undercard. Yeah, everything we know about concussion syndrome and, and all that you guys do on a day to day basis to make it to the fight, it's always really bothered bothered me. So I I agree with you, man. It's nice to see a company really promoting you guys and paying you what you deserved. Sean Connell had said that the PFL was the best option for him to make seven figures in this sport. Winning that prize at the end, it changed his life, as it would for any one of you guys. You've been in this business a long time, man. If you were to win this season, would you ride off into the sunset like O'Connell, or would you be looking to make that a few more million? I'd be, I'd be, if I win this million, I'm coming back to it. As long as PFL keeps bringing me back, I will keep competing every single time. My thing is if I can finish my whole career in PFL and uh, take uh, several million dollars, I'll say like uh, – well, all the time in the million dollars they've been charging me, you know, I, I would do it. Um, to tell you the truth, being with PFL my whole career, my MMA career, I made uh, a bigger payday with PFL than any other organization in the world I've ever been with. Wow, that's saying a lot, man. You fought for damn near everybody, so. Yeah, and the, the PFL takes care, I mean, to the point, even up to the million dollars. If you don't mean email, you come in my, my my situation third, third place, well, I tied for third place with um, one of the guys. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to say how much I made, but I still made uh, really good money, you know, and really good money where I don't have to look for other fights on my on, on the season off of PFO. I don't have to kill myself as much, you know. Now I can pay my bills. I can take care of my kids, take care of my medical bills. It's amazing. So even if you don't make the million dollars, you're still making a profit, you know. And to all the new PFL fights, I hope you are really appreciative of y'all going through this because as a UFC vet, you know, as a UFC fed, WIFL, uh, I've so many vets in so many organizations. I didn't make win the million dollars, but I still made more money in an organization one year with PFL. That's amazing. Right, and that lends itself to you guys going out there and putting on really good shows, right? You're not worried about your job security. You're not worried about being taken care of on the other end when it comes to the, the financials. So you go out there and you put it all on the line. That's it. You go out there and no matter what, you will still get paid for it. There's, there's no, no in the windows and nothing like that. So it's, it's a great organization. They're doing hell of a job i i hope this is i hope this was organization becomes number one not only for like because i'm in it obviously but no just because i'm a really 
a um whole movement about the MMA movement about us being a million dollars. So I hope this prompts other organizations to act like this to start treating us more like athletes than fighters. Right. No, I, I'm I'm right on board with you, man. I hope it does set a trend. And like I said, as it progresses, we see more of more of the same. And by the way, I'm not suggesting that, that you're at the end of your career by, by any means, but I, I know that you're a martial artist. Martial arts is a, a way of life for you. You're always teaching. You're doing seminars, stuff like that. But as I mentioned, man, you've been com- competing for a long time. I know you're. I know you're uh, no old dog. I, I believe you're only what 36, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Yeah. So, what else is there for you to accomplish uh, in this sport? That elusive world championship, obviously the million dollars. You know w- what? What is left for you? Well, honestly, man, I'm I'm going into uh, um. Just this mindset of me retiring, uh, not retiring no time soon, honestly, but more like when my time's done as a uh, MMA fighter, I can't get in the cage. I'm going hard into jiu-jitsu, man, me being a black belt, man. My next goal is, you know, maybe possibly one day go for that red belt. You know, a lot of people a lot of people who really know me knows me. I love my Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I'm, I'm into jiu-jitsu hardcore. You know, I train MMA because my moral focus is MMA because that's where my career is at. But I love my jiu-jitsu, you know, and I went to North Carolina to a grappling uh, tournament, and I came in first place um, uh, in gi and no gi as a black belt. You know, so I mean, wow. my so my my skill level is, is up there, but my competing level, even if I can't compete in uh, MMA, I used to see me competing in jiu-jitsu. So there's no going nowhere. And honestly, like, it's funny, I had this conversation with Randy Couture. He's like, when you quit, man, I was like, Randy, when, when did you quit? He's like, <laughs> he was like, yeah, I said, exactly, what, what, a 44, 43, something like that? He's like, yeah, I said, well, guess what? You're my eye, I'm following you. Right. That's why I told him, like, my look, my heart's so young, allows my ability, allows me to keep fighting as healthy as possible, and the commission approves me, I'm going to fight. You know, I'll be another victim to it. I'll still be 43, 44 fighting. You know, I just hope I could do it at, at, at 43 at his, at his level because he was 43 beating up kids. So that's my goal. Right. Well, you know what, man? Everything that we've seen as far as advances in science and training, we're seeing a lot of guys get a lot more mileage out of their careers. I have no doubt that you would be able to do the same. But you mentioned something interesting there with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. We're seeing a lot of uh, a lot of popularity towards the uh, submission only competitions out there. I'm surprised I haven't seen you in one of those just yet. No, man. I, honestly, man, I'm gonna I'm tell you the truth. I've been working on my jujitsu real quietly, and it's it's something that um I really don't want to show exposed yet. I know a lot of people watch me, and I, I promise you, this new submission game I'm gonna bring to uh, PFL now. You're going to see some new stuff, man. I've been looking, working some new tricks, some new submissions, some new slags. If you can go to my Instagram and you, you'll see some stuff that I'm playing with. And that's, just, that's just a little tiny bit of what I'm playing with of, of, of new a new game. I think there's some stuff I'm, I'm going to pull out is going to change is going to change the, 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 the jiu-jitsu game. And before I expose it at a tournament, I'd rather expose it in a fight. Right. It's no, like, completely right? understandable. It's like, yeah, it's like the dodge choke. I remember the dodge choke. Like, oh, that's a dodge, that's a dodge choke. You know, um, he could have used it in a tournament, in jiu-jitsu, but he used it uh, in the, uh, in the uh, MMA. And when that happened, no one knew what it was. He kept catching it, catching it, catching it until it was too late. It, until they, when they learned it, he was a world champion by then. I think it was um, Nogueira. He, he started a corner choke. Yeah. And then yeah. after that, it went it went to dodge. So that's my plan. With new submissions, a new game I, I have acquired, I'm going to put it on MMA first. And then when I... 
expose it in, then you'll see me in Jiu-Jitsu tournaments doing crazy stuff. Right, that, that's kind of that's kind of like uh, the Donaher Death Squad's done with leg locks. It took everybody a while to get on board with it. They were winning yeah. a ton of stuff with it, so kind of the same thing. Uh, but listen, man, getting back to May 9th, Long Island, I'm wondering how do you visualize this fight playing out and what can all the Doomsday fans expect to see on the night in question? They can see a whole new Doomsday, Bruff and Approve, hungry and ready, and ready to not only announce the win, but looking to finish people, looking to finish and beat and break people off. I'm trying to have a situation where um, I'm trying to get first round and second round finishes. If it goes to the third round, so what? You there too. So every look at every round, I'm looking for a finish and a win. Right, and you got to rack up those points, right? Yeah, I gotta get. Oh yeah, especially the PFL. You know, the, the sooner you win, the more you get, the more rewarded you get. Absolutely. Uh, all right, Doomsday. Listen, man, always a pleasure. Greatly appreciate your time, and and, uh, and especially for the fact that you've been holding it down for the Northeast for all these years. In conclusion, bro, tell us all, tell all that your supporters out there uh, why you're going to win the 2019 season PFL. Take home that fat check at the end of it. Word up, man. To my fans, PFL, MMA community, I'm definitely going to win this tournament. This is why. Now Doomsday's back. Now I'm motivated everything. What happened to me was so messed up, and everybody watched happened to me, but it's okay. So right, I'm a strong man. I took it. I took it. I took my loss the way, even though I was in in the right in the whole situation, I took it like a man. And I took it most importantly as a martial artist. That being said, this year I'm not taking no losses. I'm pissed. I'm motivated, and I'm coming from everybody. Now they made it personal, and when it's this is personal, I'm taking everybody. You stand in front of me, I'm breaking you. Now I don't care. I am back. All right, man. Listen. I'm very much looking forward to it, but before we let you go, any shout-outs, sponsor plugs, the floor is yours, man. Yes, uh, shout-out to this special specialist, uh, uh, Lisa, my, my fruit pap, thank you so much. Um, uh, uh, FAF Kickboxing, uh, Dave Ginsburg Jiu-Jitsu, um, John Jusley Howard, definitely follow me on IG, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Snapchat, my favorite app, you really want to catch me. And um, thank you, PF, PFL. And um, also, my new uh, new sports I just got, uh, 66 Fight Wear. Uh, got chairs all It's called Triple Six now. Get your, get your shirt. They got a Doomsday special shirt coming out. And that's about it, guys. Thank you for having me. And here comes the Doom. Always, man. Thanks again, Doomsday. Best of luck on the ninth. We'll catch up again after a big win and a, and a great fight. You have a wonderful day, my man. Thank you. All right, brother. There you have it, folks. Doomsday is back at 170 pounds. Going to be a force to be reckoned with, I have no doubt. Again, the new PFL season 2019 kicks off May 9th in Long Island, New York. You'll see John Doomsday Howard featured on that card, as well as our previous guests, Zane Kamaka and Ray Cooper III. Of course, big mahalo to everybody who joined us today, and thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you guys follow us on social media, bjpen.com, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Make sure you guys subscribe to the podcast bjpen.com radio itunes stitcher anywhere podcasts are found and when it comes to mma news everything you crave from the sport you love bjpen.com we have got you covered make sure you guys set up alerts stay up to date on the sport as the news breaks so on behalf of the whole team at bjpen.com i'm your host jay kinch signing out yet again we'll catch you guys next week with another great episode until then everybody happy easter peace out